1: We'll going Steeler fans welcome to this week's episode of Steelers War Room I'm your host of this weekly show Matt Peverell the host of the show that puts you in the minds of Kevin Colbert Omar Khan Mike Tomlin and the rest of the Steelers organization as they look to put together a winning roster in 2021 and beyond and hey it's uh seven seven and one (laughs) so it's uh still a winning record um but but we'll see where we go from here Obviously, it's a big week. It's pro- very much likely if you you listen to a lot of the reports, it's Big Ben's last home game uh, ever at Heinz Field, which is uh, you know outside of the playoffs, but certainly the re- last regular season game. Um, we haven't had that official statement from the team, but you know there's different things you're hearing on social media, including I saw something um, a couple of hours ago around him inviting you know former players and family you know to make sure they're in attendance. So it looks very much like we're heading that way. And it's uh, it's incredible, Um, hard to describe. And, you know, there'll be countless podcasts dedicated to this if it's the case. So, you know, we'll stick to our usual war room focus. The other opening... Uh, piece that I wanted to share with you as well is really around John Madden. So John Madden passed in the last uh, sort of 48 hours but where I'm recording this now, uh, potentially it's still 48 hours um, when you're listening to it too. But, you know, John Madden's an interesting one, uh, you know, for a lot of international fans, we we found the game through Madden or certainly became very aware of it. I think Mark, and I, I can't really talk for him, but I think Mark, my co-host on, the Steelers touching under probably would have found the NFL too. I I definitely, you know, was aware of the NFL before Madden, um, but, you know, and, and I know would have I naturally progressed to it, given what I love about the game and what I do now, but let's just say Madden certainly put the game on the map um, outside of the borders of the U S and I know John Madden did a lot more than just that. And he was an incredible coach for the Raiders. I think, you know, no losing seasons for them, did an incredible amount for the game, um, helped get them over into Oakland as well, I think my memory serves me correctly. But just a massive loss, so rest in peace to John Madden, but a massive loss uh, to the NFL American football community uh, there. So, you know, it's probably the sad, the true sadness to keep the podcast off. And so the next thing I wanted to talk about a little bit just quickly too was, Coaching. So Adrian Clem has uh, now accepted the position to move over to Oregon. The team let him go. I think that tells you everything that we need to know. They've promoted for, from within. Well, I'm one of the people that, you know, I'm not a Tomlin hater. I'm not going to sit and criticize Tomlin even today. Something's got to change, but Tomlin has to keep that room. Cohesive enough to get to the end of the season, whether that's the end of the regular season or whether that's through the playoffs. There's certain things he can't say right now. He can't have that turmoil. Um, he needs to keep everything joined together. I do think Keith Butler's got to go um, or accept a demotion to outside linebacker coach. I've said it in, in live chats on cross I've alluded to it um, in touchdown under with Mark D that airs, you know, every Saturday night live for the US's time of Eastern Standard Time. I'm not a fan of like I'm not a fan of what Butler's doing as defensive coordinator, whether that's promoting Terrell Austin, I don't know. I think they really need to look at who's available um in this off season as well and who gets maybe fired from head coaching roles who gets um who's made available, who's part of staff that'll let go as a new head coach starts at a different organization um but whatever the case may be i, I you know i mean it's not all Butler's fault with the injuries but i I'm just not seeing people turn up um in the same way. So, look, the team, it's pretty hard to do a podcast a couple of days after um, what we the drubbing that the Steelers copped at the hands of the Kansas City Chief. It was, you know, by all accounts, one of the worst games, I think, for most Steeler fans that we can remember and re- that we've, you know, seen in recent memory. But also, I think it's one of the worst ones I just plainly, for me, I think I've ever seen. Uh, I think, you know, if the score had been more, I would have I got it kind of thing. But But for me, it just it's like they didn't even try, you know, it's different when you try and you're getting beat on deep balls and, and what have you, but I just, or, you know, just being completely outclassed. But to me, it just felt like they just didn't try, and it and it's it's hard to take that um, really when you think about the, what was on the line for the Steelers and the pride and Big Ben's final season and what have you. Clearly, the cohesiveness and the offensive line is non-existent. It's not easy to travel um, through Christmas. The Steelers have been a you know in a situation where they really have to win every game for for several weeks now. Um, it's their own doing, but it doesn't make that any easier. And and I think so. Where we're sitting now. Uh, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise to a lot of people. So I wanted to, as as usual, we'll uh, look at the Steelers rookies um, and their performance from the game. (laughs) Says it all. We'll look a little bit and preview some of the Browns rookies, which we've done before already this season, but so I'll try and keep it quite quick, but there's a couple of key guys that I really wanted to highlight who could have an impact in this game. Um, So, so we'll get to that. And then but before I do that, I wanted to, Thinking about this Kansas game and, and where we're sitting, I've talked over the course of the last six weeks, probably three times I've done a focus on how much the Steelers are relying on their rookies, how much of an impact they're having on players. One of them was on a podcast that I changed my microphone settings and was virtually inaudible, so apologies um, for the regular war room fans. What, what I wanted to look at is the snap counts of the Steelers, of so, rookies and some key contributors. So I basically looked at... Najee Harris, Pat Freemuth, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., Norwood, Loudermilk. I left out Buddy Johnson, not worth doing with the amount of play he's had. And then I also looked at Harbin. And I also looked at Quincy Roche. So I basically pulled up their draft picks and looked at where they're sitting from a snap count, including Quincy Roche, who's not on the Steelers roster, um, that's who's doing some interesting things, you know, uh, over at the Giants. And you kind of feel... Like the steels are missing now. I'm not saying sitting here and saying I understand that you know, steels are certain players that need to fit their needs and what have you. I know that they probably thought they were going to get him onto the practice squad, squad and be able to stash him. Um, there it didn't happen. Uh, and I don't know, I sort of don't see eye to eye with the steels on this uh, and that approach because he had college production. How did you not think? that that he was going to be poached by someone else. And I've said that briefly before this season, but I stick by it and I, and I can't understand it um, there. So, and instead we've got Derek Tutska, you know, Tutska, you know, he's doing all right, but, you know, it's, it's not the same thing, I believe, in having Quincy Roche. Anyway, let's look at these snap counts. So, Najee Harris leads all NFL running backs by over 140 snaps, almost two games worth of snaps. Snaps um, this season. he's second is uh, Ezekiel Elliott from Dallas, and he has almost so he has 140 snaps on um Ezekiel Elliott, more than 200 snaps than Jonathan Taylor, in at the NFL's leading running back, he's obviously gets some holes. I mean, geez, the 50 yard run he started within the game against the other day it was just incredible, um, and almost 400 more snaps than the next closest rookie, which is Javante Williams of the Denver Broncos, who has 491 snaps. His snaps on the season are 275 in the run, 405, 445 receiving, 107 pass block, 37, 33 run block. Now, with that receiving, a lot of it's short, so some of that turns into rush rush attempts, but um, it was recorded as rush yardage. But it's an interesting sort of perspective to look at it from. The next one was uh, Pat Freemuth, who's 26 of all tight ends, so, you know, still in the top, you know, as if it's starting time in the league with 572 snaps. Um, Pitts is number one across rookies with 708. He said 345 receiving, 14 pass block, 201 run block. Green, eighth overall of all um, the centers in the league. Uh, at 975 snaps, 631 pass block, 344 run block. uh, And he is second out of two um, of 2021 centers. That's because you've got Creed Humphrey, who obviously plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's having a fantastic year. Pretty much the best center in the league this year. Has like a PFF rating of over 91. I think it is now. Incredible. Um, And then Dan Moore Jr., uh, so he's had played 998 snaps, 654 uh, pass block, 344 run block, uh, number one of all 2021 draft picks. He has 20 more than Eichenberg. He's playing a great role for Miami at the moment, 72 more than Sewell and 42 more than Slater in terms of snaps. So you're expecting a lot out of a guy fourth round. 20 more. I think Eichenberg was a second or third. Pretty sure it was a second round pick. Sewell, on the best tackle in the draft. Rashawn Slater, second best tackle, one of the best tackles to come out top 10 in the last three or four years, including Wirce, including Becton. You know, it, you know, and you're expecting that from Dan Moore Jr. Norwood, 83rd out of all safeties with 365 snaps, 269 in coverage, um, 81 in run defense and 15 in pass rush. Now, that's actually still fairly significant because you've got to think about there's two safeties on every team, 64. 64 players he's 83rd there are other guys veteran guys you know this guy's a seventh round draft pick for some people he's on a practice squad louder milk he's nine out of nine for defensive ends um or, or interior defensive linemen taken in the draft he's 127th overall um from across the league in terms of interior defensive linemen 229 snaps 118 run d 111 pass again Fifth round draft pick from the Steelers, someone that was on no one's radar, most likely another team would have got him in the sixth, if not the fifth. Maybe the Steelers knew something um, in, in terms of a run on Milk. But again, not someone you'd ex- expect to contribute there. Um, as you know, he's a real depth piece of Steelers, someone you'd want to see it. Technically, he's playing the role of a third or fourth depth piece in terms of the snaps played so far. Um, and he played a much bigger role for us, obviously, on the weekend. Presley Harvin, 247 punts. That's second overall and the only rookie punter. Sorry. Yeah, so 247 punts. That's the snaps he plays. Just something to note there, second overall. And then Quincy Roche, 74th for edge rushes um, in the league, 348 snaps, 132 run, 194, um, rush. Now Quincy Roche has two and a half sacks on the year, seven pressures, 34 tackles. He's only missed 5% of those two hurries. He's been on three blitzes. Uh, he's played in three games. He's only allowed four. He's allowed four out of five completions as well. They're just saying something to note because, he would have had a bigger role probably in this Pittsburgh Steelers team, particularly um when Melbourne Ingram left. Uh and I, and I think it's just something that we need to just be aware of and just think when we reflect on where this season went. So that's the snap counts. Um looking, at, looking across to uh the game um on the on the weekend, uh looking at the, the role that the rookies had, Najee, uh their 93 uh yards off 19 attempts, long of the day at 21, had a average um, you know, first half, really relied on some of that short passing game to get going, caught five from seven for 17 yards, didn't do, wasn't a great day for Najee, interesting Benny Snell averaged four um, yards per rush off his five attempts. Uh, from that perspective, no Pat moved. so that's a, that was a big, I mean, that was a bigger loss on this offense than what people are, can can really understand, um, but it, the defense is what lost this game, just, just despicable, um, really just not up to scratch. Uh Dirt score one tackle um, from that perspective. Kendrick Green had to make a tackle. Uh Isaiah Loudemilk, six tackles, three solo, three assists. There, no quarterback hits. Um, that's pretty much your rookie performances um, on the defensive side of the football. No, Presley Harvin. Obviously, you know he lost his father this week. That's challenging. Courtless Waitman, and in his absence, had two punts for 121 yards, averaged 60 and a half for the longest 63. So he's going to be putting the pressure on Big Press. Although I think it's hard hard to say that you know Big Press should lose his job. I think Dave highlighted this, um, you know, on the post game. But it's hard to think that he's going to lose his job when his father died. But Courtless Waitman, great result from him um, over there in that in that sort of role. Najee Harris. Yards before contact, 37, four first downs. Uh, yards after contact, 56, broke three tackles. Um, not too bad there from him. Uh, you know, it, it's it, it's so hard. As I say, like, it's hard when you look at these rookies and there's no pack framers. It's, it's hard to, to think... Um, about how he could have changed the game, but I do, I, st- I say, I think he's a loss. Norwood um, allowed two completions from three passes for 22 yards, an average of 11, um, quarterback rating of 88.2 there. Um, Dirk allowed allowed one out of one in terms of completions for four yards, uh, you know, sorry, five yards i uh, not going the quarterback rating 127, but that's a little bit misleading with only one pass um, from that perspective. Isaiah Loudermilk um, missed one tackle uh, on the day. So that's a, it's a real noteworthy thing. Um, their snap counts uh, 72 snaps for Dan Moore, 72 snaps for Kendra Green. Sorry, Kendrick Green, 45 snaps before he went off injured. Um, so, yeah, 72 for Dan Moore, 45 for Green, 56 for Najee Harris. That's 78% of those snaps overall. Uh, Isaiah Laudermilk, who played half the defensive snaps and third of special team snaps as well um, from, from that perspective. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh Trey played f- almost 40% of the defensive snaps and half of special team snaps as well. Derek Toots score a third of defensive snaps, 73% of special team snaps. Uh And that pretty much sums up what the rookies did in that game against Kansas City. But it's a hard one to highlight because Steel's got their ass whooped. Um, and that's 36 to 10 loss from, from that perspective. So moving across now to the Browns uh, and their rookies as well, Um, you know, so interesting performances from them so far this season, you know, the 2021 Browns, Uh, Malik McDowell is the first guy I want to look at. We previewed him and I focused a bit on him in the last war room I did before the Browns game, and then he ended up getting a sack. Uh, against Big Ben. Uh, so he'd only had one sack on the season so far. Since then, he's had another sack. So he's got three sacks on the season so far for them. Uh, you know, so interesting performances from him. He's started 12 out of 13 games, one fumble recovery, three sacks, 30 tackles, seven tackles for a loss, five quarterback hits. That's Malik McDowell. Uh, he's played 65% of the defensive snaps, uh, 8% of special team snaps. He's uh, number 58 on the... On the Brown's defense, look out for him. He could be someone as Garrett, as you know, Miles Garrett and Clowney, you know, attract a lot of attention. He's someone that might make a bit of mincemeat uh, out of the Steelers interior defensive line, particularly if Kendrick Green's not there. This guy will maul, will maul JC Hassenhower. Then you've got Richard LeCount, safety, who's played in um, you know a lot of their games so far. He's played in eight games, including last week's uh, loss against Green Bay. There, uh, he's played pretty much on special teams most weeks, but he played seventy percent of the defensive snaps last week against Green Bay. So they obviously saw something there from him. Uh, three tackles on the season so far. He's number. Um 39. So Minka's number, he's allowed two out of two completions thus far on the season for 15 yards. That's an average of seven and a half. Um, and allows quarterback rating of 137.5, but he's been targeted twice. Um, so it's again misleading. And he plays about half of the special team snaps on the season so far with 91 special team snaps um at 48 percent. Chris Naga, um, kicker, he played last week, so I'm just going to bring him up. He played against Green Bay, kicked one out of one field goals, um, 35% of the special team snaps um, in that game. Not much more to really worth, you know, noteworthy there. Uh, Jeremiah, Arusu koromo uh, you know, he he's obviously, you know, was a well touted draft pick. He's had a one and a half sacks in the season so far, 45 tackles, two force fumbles. Uh played 75% of the defensive snaps last week. Uh there, number 28. Um, and then on the season, he's played sixty-five percent of the defensive snaps, thirty-one percent of the special team snaps. Uh so again, really big contributor. He'll be he'll be he'll be there, ready to annoy the Steelers offense. He'll be there. Um, and I think he can make a big play in this game. Anthony Schwartz, I think he had a touchdown last week as well, um, but he had uh, one target last week. Um, yeah, he got that one touchdown against Green Bay. Uh, so it was his first touchdown on the season. This is one that Brian Anthony Davis, bad our podcast producer, uh, he was very big on signing Anthony Schwartz um, or drafting him out of Auburn. There, six foot, one hundred eighty-six pounds. Uh, so he's played nine receptions on the season for one hundred and twenty-two yards, one TD, as we mentioned. Uh, you know, five rushes for thirty-six yards, average of seven point two. Uh, you know, there in terms of his snap counts on the season so far, he's played thirty-one percent of offensive snaps and sixteen percent on special teams. Uh, from that perspective. You got James Hudson, the offensive tackle, uh, first out of Michigan, then out of Cincinnati, uh, taken in the fourth round. Um, some of us saw him between three and five, so it was pretty fair. I remember at the time he uh, played special teams last week. He played 100% of the snaps against Baltimore, 100% of the snaps against Arizona, and about a quarter of the snaps against Minnesota and their charges. So he's back into a uh, more of a backup role, which would be expected with the O line uh, that, that the Browns have uh, as well. He's played 25% of the offensive snaps overall in the season so far, number 66. And uh, his special team snaps count set 15%. He's only been called for two penalties this season so far. Uh, One was a false start and the other one's not declared. Uh, Might be some other foul play. Tommy Togiai, uh, he's worth bringing up as well. He was a name that was definitely mentioned. I recall it vividly uh, when the Know Your Enemy guys, uh, you know, do their off-season stuff and look at draft colleges colleges where different players are going to be drafted from. Uh, He was definitely mentioned from Ohio State when they covered him there as as an interesting player. He had three tackles last week, uh, solo two assists, Five combined, no quarterback hits, one pass defense. He played 42% of the defensive snaps, so a bigger role in last week's game. He's got half sack on the season so far, that one pass defense, eight tackles um, as well. He's number 93. He's played a quarter of the defensive snaps on the season so far. That's number 93, uh, Tommy Togi. Then Blake Hans. Uh, tackle played in all 15 games so far, both on special teams and on the offense. He's had, uh, eight games where he's played 100% of the special offensive snaps and one game where he played 83%. The rest are, are, are a lot smaller than that uh, on the season so far. He's uh, number 62, so he started eight from 15 games. He's played 66% or two-thirds of the offensive snaps on the season so far for the Cleveland Browns, 15% special teams. Um, they're being called for two holding penalties uh, on the season so far as well. And then we move on to Dimitri Felton, running back 5'9, 189 pounds there uh out of UCLA. Uh, played in 14 games um, through the season so far. He's played in, but he has had caught some passes as well as rushing. Uh, so he's got 163 yards receiving um, 16 receptions from 19 targets for one TD along with 33. So that's a catch rate of 84.2%, which is pretty decent when you've almost had 20 passes. I think it's 20 targets minimum um, to make a lot of the stats that are, that are measured on other platforms like PFF. Um, he's had six rushes for 18 yards, average of three along with 12. Uh, no touchdowns yet uh, on the season so far. He's actually had four fumbles, uh, you know, on the the number of 22 touches he's had, which is pretty incredible. Um, That's that's quite a high number. It's interesting to to see that in the NFL, that usually doesn't stand. Um, So it's quite interesting to see, you know, how that's affecting, you know, how they're leveraging him. He's played 14% of the offensive snaps on the season so far and 54% of the special team snaps. The next player we're going to look at is uh, Grant Delpit. There, free safety, six foot three, uh, two hundred eight pounds. So he can play strong safety as well. Uh, started in five games. Played last week. Had four solo tackles, two assisted tackles for six overall. Uh, played ninety-seven percent of the, of the uh, defensive snaps. No special team snaps. He's number twenty. Two. Uh, Najee's number, he's got one interception in the season so far, three pass defense, one force fumble, one sack, 52 tackles uh, combined, two tackles for a loss, one quarterback hit. Uh, he allows completion rate of 72.2%, uh, allowing 13 of 18 for 176 yards. Um, yak yards of 97 air yards of 79 so he does allow quite a number of yak yards he's been on the blitz five times one hurry um, three pressures and he's missed six tackles at about 10% uh, as I say played 55% of the defensive snaps on the season and 50% of the special team snaps so Grant Delpit coming back there after a season where he was drafted second in uh, second, the second round 44th overall in 2020 and missed the year through injury the next guy the final rookie we're going to look at because i Left all the rookies out that are either injured or on, on lists, on you know, COVID lists uh, and what have you. I left them out. Um, that and also rookies that hadn't made it you know a bigger contribution than three games or something statistical worth note what you know worth noting in this podcast. Uh there. But the next guy is Josiah Bronson, seven games. He played last week, 12% of the defensive snaps, 9% of the special team snaps. So we're seeing it was his quietest game in the games that he's been involved in. He's played week seven, nine, 11, 12, 13, 14. Pardon me. Uh, and he's number 99. Uh, he was playing with New Orleans um, before, before being over to the Browns. Um, he was signed off waivers on December 15th as well. So just wanted to remember there. So they're working into their system. Uh, he's got one pressure, one quarterback knockdown, missed one tackle out of the 12 that he's attempted on the season so far. So nothing, nothing major. Uh, with him, but you could see a bigger role as he starts to get more ingrained in what the Cleveland Browns are doing this week. With that, we're going to go to a break here on Steelers-Warren. Join me for part two. We're going to look at um, some draft elements, as always. Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome back to Steelers' War Room. I'm your host of this weekly show, Matt. Pepperill. and so now we're going to look at some draft some draft elements we're getting close in the, the season starting to get a bit of bit more heat around it. seeing the mock draft start to happen i was playing with some mock drafts the night like last night actually i'm recording this about lunchtime time on a thursday but yeah i uh was playing with some mock drafts last night lots of trades and what have you which i'm known for people make fun of me and my btc colleagues but you know i had some interesting stuff seen some mock drafts the draft network um, have is currently slated to draft Kenyon Green out of Texas, I think it's Texas A&M there in the, in the, in the first round at pick number 16. Uh, so that's pretty interesting from from that perspective. I mean. You know, he's a great interior lineman. It'd be interesting to have another green uh, on the line as well. But, you know, that could be a pretty interesting pick for us. Definitely would create some holes there uh, for the, for guys like Najee to run through. You know, so we'll see who they dropped. It's very early on. You know, myself and Andrew Wilbar, my colleague who writes um, a lot about rookies and college players uh, on, on BTSC behindstillcurtain.com, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a fan like me of trading back. He's been saying for a few years, he said to me, again, um, I'm of the same opinion. But, you know, if they're going to stick to their spot, I think they're currently about 16, 17. um, Then, you know, I think Kenyon Green's a great pick to walk away with. He's probably a guy that's top 10, depending on team need, uh, for a lot of teams. So, you know, that would be a fantastic result, in my opinion, um, despite what happens at the quarterback position. So where where we're going to start is... Alabama versus Georgia. You might see these guys come up against each other in the college football playoff. And there were 15 guys when they had the SEC championship game that were brought up. And I think they're guys that you need to keep watching through this college football playoff. And so the, the one player was highlighted was Evan Neal, offensive tackle out of Alabama. He's a former five star recruit out of IMG, six foot six, 360 pounds, massive guy, really athletic, um, moved from right tackle to, to left tackle this year. Some people aren't a fan of him um i've seen on some sites but he's a really really good tackle he's a solid player um is a top 10 draft pick when you look at things, might not be as good um, as potentially Rashawn Slater um was last year uh or, or worse um when coming out, but definitely a player that, you know, re- incredible. Again, someone who's probably a top 10 offensive tackle. Um, if you look at the the top offensive tackles taken over the last three or four years, he's, he's got a rightful spot in that top 10 at six foot six, three sixty pounds. He's pretty athletic. Um, you know, and he's a day one starter. The other guy is Jordan Davis, which I know Angel Wilbar. Again, he's pretty keen on this guy, but interior defensive lineman from Georgia. He's probably the best interior defensive lineman in this draft. And typically, the lines at the three tech can play um, the one as well um, when shifting, particularly in pre-snap. Really good reactive athleticism. Lateral agility um, is pretty strong. He has good get-off, very explosive hands, um, you know, and you've seen him really develop as the season goes on. As you see the draft cycle go on, Jordan Davis is going to really continue to hot up um, in terms of the players um, to watch and the players where they'll draft. I had a mock draft that had Minnesota taking him, depending on where they're picking, about 13. I think you could see him go higher depending on how he goes through um, you know, the depending on what he does now through the college football playoffs and then also the draft process. But you could see him slip as well just because of where people value those interior defensive linemen. I've love him on the Steelers, but we have bigger holes. Now, Kobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. Um, he's another guy, you know, just to take note of. He's more a fit for a four-three defense, so I don't want to spend too much time on him. But he's someone to watch from Georgia. Um, George Pickens, wide receiver, who's had a bit of injuries out of Georgia. He's a guy that you're going to probably see taken in the second round. He has, you know, really good coordination. He's a pretty smart guy, pretty fast guy, very smooth, fluid route runner. Um, and the rest of it. But the thing for him is the injuries that have taken away from him. So you might see him go late first, early second. And then you're probably likely to see more a guy like Jamison Williams taken. I saw a fit with him um, mentioned uh, by another, another podcast network with um, Jamison Williams with new Orleans, um, potentially, you know, looking to grab him uh, there to go instead, you know, depending on where Chris Olave goes, um, you know, to go alongside Michael Thomas, or if they were to lose Michael Thomas whatever reason. Um, he transferred from Ohio State. Um, he's a top you know, wide receiver for their program, smooth route runner, um, really good at deep routes, young guy too. I think he's only, I think he's only 20 and a bit, uh, 21. Um, so he's a guy to watch through this college football playoffs. He's going to get a lot of targets um, as well. John Mechie, uh, the third out of Alabama as well. He's another guy to watch. You know, I mean, you think about Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell, Henry Ruggs, um, you know, that have all been in the first round. And, you know, we'll leave Henry Ruggs to one side. You know, he, there's incredible respect for what Alabama do uh, the wide receiver room. You know, against the Tennessee Volunteers, he went for 11 catches, 121 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, he's got the size and quickness that means he can play in the Z position or lineup in the slot. He's an elite athlete. He's going to have explosive athleticism. He's a guy that I think could do things at the start, like Jalen Rager did um, uh, when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles, he's a guy I think can make some plays. I think you're going to see teams, whether he goes in the first round or not, you'd think he would. But if he slips, he's going to go to a team that wants to have a high-powered offense. And I just wonder, imagine if a Kansas City, I know we just played them, but I could see them getting a guy like this. Uh, there's going to be a few wide receivers that are left around where they're going to end up picking. And, you know, they could easily improve the targets there, um, which is a scary thought uh, for, for Patrick Mahomes. Then you've got uh, Henry To'o, linebacker. I hope I've said that right. Um, I've never heard his name pronounced, um, but a former blue chip top 50 prospect. He played in 23 games um, over the... uh, the University of Tennessee um, and led the teams in tackles with 76 in 2020. Then they had a lot of turnover. He went to Alabama. He's quick twitch, fast-flowing linebacker, physical mentality. He's passionate, um, leadership-driven as well, versatile defender. So he's a guy that you might see start to get really talked about Um, whether he opts for the draft or not. I don't think he's a senior off the top of my head. So that could be an interesting one. Christian Harris is a guy that I definitely think people need to be looking at um, throughout this this college football playoff. He's a three-year starter, former four-star recruit. We know the Steelers need help at the linebacker position. I don't know. I don't think Sherbert's coming back. Is it something they address in the second or the third round? It's hard to say because I'd like to see him get a cornerback. But like if they went there, I don't think we'd have any issues there. You know, he can run with tight ends vertically up the seams. He can play against the run. Um, he can match up against tight ends and running backs and pass coverage. If you get Devin Bush back, he can match up against wide receivers. So, you know, Christian Harris would be an you know adept addition in the second round uh for the Steelers defense. But whether Christian Harris is off the board by then, hard to say. Then you got Trayvon Walker as well, edge out of Georgia. Uh, I wonder how much of a fit he would be in the Steelers team. Definitely want to watch. You're going to see a lot of draft hype about him um, through this college football playoff. But I think A, is going to be gone when we'd have the chance to pick him. We've got other needs. And B, I wonder whether he's going to be more, I don't think he might be better as a 4 3, but even if he's a 3 4, we've got TJ, we've got Alex Highsmith. He's gonna, you know, he's a guy that's gonna want to play. Um, you know, people would say, Oh, I'll probably take him over Highsmith, but Highsmith's proving himself and Highsmith's having a good year. Um, Jordan Battle, safety out of Alabama. You know, four-star recruit um, from St. Thomas Aquinas, the high school Florida powerhouse. Um, You know, he's been a starter since his sophomore year last year. Big frame strength. I wonder about his speed, um, but I do like his instincts. He's known for his athletic ability at safety and his, you know, ability to make the correct football play. The next guy is Darion Kendrick, cornerback out of Georgia. Now I'm going to talk a lot more about him once I get off this list. He's the player we're going to profile in today's podcast. Um, but Darion Kendrick, you know, there, I'll leave it there, but he's someone to watch. Uh, we'll, we'll bring him up in a few moments. Jamari Slayla, interior offensive lineman, in Georgia. He's played at right tackle, left tackle, left guard for, for Georgia. Um, he's got lots of great skills and, and agility. He comes off the ball hard in the run game, got good temperament to strike. He's sufficient in line power. Um, in the passing game, he transitions laterally at a sufficient level. Um, he's hard to bull rush due to his competitiveness and functional strength. Um, his true positional value is he's aligning every position on the offensive line, including center, whether his home is likely at guard as he doesn't have the ideal length to play tackle. Again, putting that left left guard, um, move Dotson over to right guard, bye-bye Trey Turner. I think you're in a good spot there. Um, so Jamari Slaylor is someone I could see them drafting. But again, is here there in the second round for them to get? Could they overhaul? Could they go get you know Kenyon Green and then get him? Then you've got a depth piece of Kendrick Green um, what are you going to do in that position? And that then it also depends on tackles, you know, guys like Darius Kinnard, Jackson Kirkland, um, those sorts of guys. You know, Charles Cross could still be available and Steelers picking. I don't want the Steelers to pick Charles Cross, you know, um, where they're picking. Uh, and I, I don't know, He's. I'm 50 50 on whether he's going to make as great a transition as what people think. And the other guy that I wanted to note was just. Uh, Two other guys, sorry, was Fidarian Mathis, another interior defensive lineman from Alabama, experienced at the zero, one, and 3 technique. He's, you know, hard to move off um, in their two-gap defense, routine with stacking and shedding at the point of attack. His greatest effect comes as a first-level run stopper. He knows how to stand his ground and maintain his gap against single blocks and double teams, according to the Draft Network's profile of him. Um, he's got a sacrifice type of game where he won't receive much glory because of... You know, the way he plays his role to free up his counterparts. That's sort of steeler stealer we like. It's what we need when you've got a Cameron Hayward, a fit to it, um, a fit Highsmith and a fit, um, you know, TJ Watt. Lacks exterior range, but can maintain both A-gaps if asked to win this game. I wonder whether he's going to – he would be like an upgrade on a Javon Hargrave when we had Javon Hargrave. But, he again, he's someone that I just wonder when we need to pick a player – um, whether I don't see him being worth our first round pick with the needs that we have. Um, I only think that's Jordan Davis. And again, I don't know what I think we've got a stronger need to shore up that offensive line. Then there's Nolan Smith, the edge rusher out of Georgia as well. Um, you know, that Georgia have done a terrific job in defense this year. That's well known, um, you know, in the run game, It's interesting that he he, um, plays a role that isn't really ideally suited to his skill set as an inline player. He's got great physical toughness on tackles. He's sufficient at the point of attack bet a lot of but there's some feedback there that he needs to use his length better when disengaging. The passing game is good, um, and he can contort his body to get through crevices on the edge. This is a sentence from the draft network. I think that's an incredible sentence. Contorting his body, but obviously it shows, it shows agility there, um, the ability to process on the go. I think that's pretty important. Um, and he knows how to. And he demonstrates good closing quickness on the quarterback. Um, but he needs to convert and finish rushes with sacks. Interesting. That's some of the feedback you saw in Alex Highsmith's um, you know, draft profile as well, when you saw him coming out and some of the things he needed to, you know, really, you know, see that sack count go higher. And the challenge was could he do that in the NFL? Bit of is tooling up, um, which might be hard when you do lose a Keith Butler potentially, but you know, a bit of Steelers tooling up. I wonder a bit of coaching at the NFL level, could he develop there? Again. I just don't think the Steelers are looking at that edge rusher when Nolan Smith's probably going to get taken in the first 55 picks of the draft, if not 60. So as I mentioned, I wanted to go into Darian, um, Darian Kendrick there. Darian Kendrick's an interesting player for me um, because he's a cornerback uh, where he's sitting right now as well um, in the statistical statistical process. He's 61st overall in college this year for his coverage rating on Pro Football Focus, tied with uh, Cheyenne Battle. He's 29th um, for players that are known to be eligible draft picks in 2022. He's played 579 of his snaps. um, Sorry, 579 of his 676 snaps at a wide position and 40 in the box in 2021. But what's interesting about uh, Darian Kendrick, Is that in 2020 and 2019, it's almost a similar split. So in 2020, he played 338 um, of his 468 snaps at a wide position, 34 in the box. In 2019, he played 626 snaps out of his 832 snaps at a wide position, 60 in punt, 59 in return. So that's interesting to note, and I'll tell you why. And then 30 in the box. So, you're seeing a player that either plays wide or he plays in the box. Now, that makes a lot of sense when you think about schematics um, and where he sits and the fact that he's a really good fit for his own defense, a la Steelers. But also, this punt. So, basically, what I want to say is that you you can see him quick, you can see him come down if needed. There's probably a bit more versatility than what people realize. The next bit is the 60 punt coverage and 59 punt return. Darian Kendrick, sorry, actually got drafted. As a wide receiver, it's not drafted, got selected um, at the college level as a wide receiver, um, which is, and then moved over when he was at Clemson before he joined uh, Georgia. He moved over because of injuries, which is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, and whilst he was, you know, and his speed was brutalized. Um, you know, by Chris Alave, you know, last season, he's still very, very fit. Um, he's still very fast. He's also known as someone that probably could put on some weight at the NFL level, but he's already 190 pounds, which I think is pretty, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's a pretty op- op- optimal opportunity for, you know, a NFL defense to get someone real, a stronger, even if he's only putting on five, 10 pounds, but he's six foot. Um, as I said there, he was a wide receiver, um, coming out of out of high school. He was actually a dangerous dual threat quarterback um, in his junior season at his high school in South Carolina. In the, as a true weapon in the air on the ground, he amassed 5,308 passing yards with a 59 to 6 touchdown interception ratio combined with the 1,682 rushing yards and 25 rushing touchdowns in his final two years in high school. He's clearly an incredible athlete. Um and it's interesting, the high school he went to, South Pointe, actually was the place, the high school that Stefan Gilmore came out of. Um, so head coach, Straight Heron, you know. Heaps of praise on Kendrick's defensive ability, and that's obviously, you know, some pretty important praise to get when you think this guy was the coach of Stefan Gilmore. Um, he was the Gatorade South Carolina Player of the Year and a five-star wide receiver and fourth best the position in the 2018 class. He got offers from Alabama, Georgia, and Notre Dame, um, but he went to Rock Hill, um, to Howard's Rock with his early commitment to Clemson Tigers, as I mentioned before. Um, You know, he was compared early to Sammy Watkins, um, but he couldn't live up to the 1,000 yards freshman season. Um, But he did average similar yards per catch and rushing yards per carry figures. He was expected to become... You know the the third wide receiver alongside Justin Ross and T Higgins for the 2019 season. Yet that's where that injury st- struck, that in- injury crisis um, for the DB room over at Clemson. And then they moved over, um, moved him over to DB, which was interesting. So he basically went from emergency cornerback to a second team All ACC selection. He made 15 starts at Clemson uh, and embarked on the uh, on the defense of their national championship. Returned his first ever interception for a touchdown against adding another interception against South Carolina. And then he furthermore flashed potential against Rome with three tackles for a loss amongst his 51 total tackles. In 2020, whilst he missed some game time, he developed into a genuine NFL draft prospect in his junior season. He had another interception to his resume against Miami, Florida, according to uh, Pro Football Network. Finished the season with 20 tackles, one for a loss, six pass breakups and an interception, and earned first-team All-ACC honours. He was considered to be a potential early-round prospect, but he returned. Um, to college instead of the nfl and that's when he put himself into the transfer portal he said it was a breakdown of communication so after this breakdown of communication he prioritized looking after after his hospitalized son over being present on campus and then he got arrested for a drug and weapon violation that sort of made it a bit of an interesting one and that's why he sort of found it a struggle to get a home out of the transfer portal until june and that's when he went to the georgia bulldogs um, you know, he's clearly an incredible athlete uh, from that perspective. You know, could he have the ability to be a, a day one draft pick? That that's the, that's the interesting thing. I like him because I think he's actually a day two or a day, uh, sorry, a, a second or a third round draft pick. I think he's a day two pick. I like him because he could be there. In the in the in the second round, I think his value there. When you think back to other, you know, uh, Clemson um, and Georgia cornerbacks um, who have had six um, go in the NFL draft in the last couple of years, guys like AJ Terrell and DeAndre Baker, um, they were first round, you know, picks. I think he's second, very high third, um, mid second to high third. It is interesting when i when I look at those snaps as well uh, when you look at his coverage ratings coverage ratings um too, he's going into the season he was considered a, a top pro football network had him as you know a top ten cornerback to consider for the draft. I think he's backed it up this season with what he's actually been able to do um, on the season so far as well uh, He has one sack so far in all of his college time in college. Um, from that perspective, he has five interceptions, 10 pass def- past breakups or, or pass defenses, depending on what you want to call them. Five of those this year, and two of those interceptions were this year. Um, His co- allowed quarterback rating this year in college was 56.2, according to NFL stats, so different from college. Um, he's only been penalized three times, as I mentioned there. He's allowed 318 yards um, off. 22 receptions at a 51.2% reception percentage. So he's got a pretty good um, coverage rating when you think about the passes that he stops. He only misses less than 10% of his tackles, um, which which also is another really great thing uh, to note there because I, I see some cornerbacks struggle with tackling and he's not afraid to tackle. And this is something you're seeing coming out of the college game at the moment. There are some cornerbacks being drafted who just do not want to tackle. Uh, that's a real problem. You have to be able to tackle on this lead, particularly against the run. Um, and he was noted this season as well uh, for causing eleven defensive stops, basically, you know, stop tackles that basically stop the the, the opponent's drive. I think that's a pretty cool um, metric from him as well. Twenty-seven tackles, um, as I mentioned, there with only four misses. Uh, pretty incredible. As well, there's, he's had 21 stops overall in the, in his college career against the offense, which is really great to know. He's never allowed a completion rate, um, in terms of percentage of receptions caught above. 55% so we saw he had the 51.2 this year well he actually only allowed he allowed 46% last year and 54% in 2019 when he was learning the position um that gives him a career average of 51.6 allowed and NFL rating allowed um passer rating of, 20, of 72.9 um he's only allowed 268 yards after the cat after the catch as well um he allow- averages um, across his college career, 13 yards per reception. He's only allowed 863 yards over three years at the position and 65 receptions of 126 targets. There's that 51% um, or so. Um, missed less than 10% tackles, as I said, over, over his time there. Um, Pretty interesting player there. I think he's a really solid corner. You can get him, um, even if you've got to trade, back into the second if he's still sitting there later on after the Steelers pick. Or I think even you can get this guy. He changes the cornerback room for the Steelers, Particularly with losing a guy like Joe Hayden. Um, I, I really like the look um, uh, of Darion Kendrick here. I, th- I think he could be a terrific player um, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He comes from a great defense um, in Georgia. He's seen as a zone fit. Um, I have seen one other Steelers site mention that he could be a player um, there. And I think Andrew Wilbur might've mentioned him too, but look, he's a guy I like here. Coverage grade overall of 79 on PFF. He's a guy that's going to miss probably that top round with your, you know, McCreary's um, Mikhail Wright potentially. There's a few other top cornerbacks too that might get in there um, slightly ahead of him, and that's where I think this guy's terrific. value in the second round, think of him like a like a Pat Freer move from this year's draft. Someone that you can get in that second round that in a lot of other drafts might scrape into the third, into the first. Sorry, in picks twenty-two to thirty-two. But with that, that's this week's Steelers, warm. Go Steelers! Come on, guys, beat the Browns. <laughs>